Welcome back to Man Eaters, the only true crime podcast on the internet where all the killers are real animals. My name is James and thank you for joining me. You know, it dawns it dawns on me that, you know, you could be listening to any podcast in the world right now. Um, there sure are a lot of them, uh, but you're here listening to Man Eaters and by golly, I appreciate that. You know, we are dangerously close to reaching 3,000 streams this week. Uh, that's, that's lovely. That's mind-blowing to me. Uh, I've done a few little podcasts. Uh, never, <laughs> never have any of them had any modicum of success. Uh, not that this show is success yet, but uh, we are getting there. It, it fills me with joy. It sparks absolute joy seeing those numbers tick up. So yeah, if we could get to 3,000 this week, that would be beautiful. My goal is to get to 10,000 by the end of the year. Um, don't know if that's you know achievable, but we'll see. Anyway, uh, <laughs> that's kind of like the State of the Union uh speech at the top there. Uh, But yes, thank you for joining me. If you haven't listened to this show before, uh, this is a podcast, a true crime podcast, kind of, uh, where we talk about all things uh, animal attack uh, related. (laughs) Any kind of human animal interaction that goes south, we're here to talk about it. And today we have uh, quite a sad story, actually, uh, compared to a lot of the other stories we've told, a relatively recent one. Um, This one taking place in 2009, so less than you know, 15 years ago, of course. Um, and it, what makes it sadder as well is that the person who passed away um, was sort of just beginning her life and was showing real promise and had a great career ahead of her and had a great life ahead of her. Um, and so, yeah, her, her story is quite uh, emotional and taxing, but we will go through it all. Um, it's notable for a few reasons, uh, one of which is that it's, uh, well, the animal in question is a coyote. And, uh, you know, actually, the majority of you listeners are from the United States. We don't have coyotes in Australia, obviously. Um, I'm sure that you might think we have dingoes everywhere, but that's not even true. We, we don't have them uh, in most of the country. Coyotes, as I'm to understand it, exist uh, all over North America. Um, and they're kind of a common occurrence. Uh, and I could be completely wrong, but I feel like I've heard stories of coyotes even, like, venturing into cities in uh more rural states uh not that there are coyotes in new york city although i i don't know there's some pretty big rats that's pretty close um so anyway we're going to talk about uh taylor mitchell and her uh, very sad interaction um with a coyote so this is i don't know what we're going to call this episode let's just bookmark it as uh, this is the taylor mitchell coyote incident You just heard the voice and the music of Canadian folk musician Taylor Mitchell. In 2009, Taylor was fatally injured in the only known instance of a coyote killing an adult human being. She was just 19 years old. Mitchell was born Taylor Josephine Stephanie Luciao. Emily and Ray Luciao were her parents. She grew up in a small suburban neighborhood in Toronto, Canada. Taylor began performing in her mid-teens after graduating from Etobicoke School of the Arts with a concentration in musical theater. She decided to pursue a career as a singer and songwriter and adopted the stage name Mitchell. She had released a four-track EP in 2007, and she independently released an album titled For Your Consideration in March of 2009. 
Guest musicians on the album included Justin Rutledge, Lynn Mills, Susie Vinnick, John Dismore, and Michael Johnston. The album received positive reviews from Exclaim, with Eric Tom describing her as definitely old school, if not world weary, while Now Toronto described it as sounding like it comes from someone from a completely different generation. In June 2009, she was invited to perform at the Winnipeg Folk Festival. Reaction from the Roots music community and radio stations was positive, and she began working on new material. A contributor on the album, Justin Rutledge, later described Mitchell as having written beyond her years. She didn't provide answers, as so many of her age try to do. There was no preciousness about her. Instead, she just asked questions. Taylor travelled to the maritime provinces to tour the surrounding towns as a way of promoting her new record. The tour began in October 23rd of 2009. Taylor was nominated for a Canadian Folk Music Award as Young Performer of the Year. What turned out to be her final performance was in Lucasville, near Halifax. She then had two days before her next concert in Sydney, Nova Scotia. Finding herself with some spare time before her next concert, Mitchell, an avid nature walker and environmentalist, decided to enjoy her beautiful surroundings by going on a hike. She went to Cape Brenton Highlands National Park on the sunny afternoon of October 27, 2009. At around 2.45pm, an American couple was walking the track and passed by Mitchell who was walking in the opposite direction. For reasons unknown to the couple and to investigators, Mitchell doubled back after going a short distance off the walking track and came back down, possibly intending to return to her car. Investigators speculate that she may have already been stalked by her attackers by this point. 17 minutes later, at 3.02pm, a second American couple named Mike and Gail were heading up the access road towards the car park. As they approached, they moved out of the way of two coyotes that were walking towards them along the road. One of the hikers photographed the coyotes with his camera before heading directly to the car park. Brent Patterson, a professor in Trent University's Environmental and Life Sciences graduate program and a research scientist with the Ontario Ministry of National Resources, later commented that the two coyotes in the male hiker's photo showed an extraordinary lack of fear, with one displaying a dominant attitude towards humans. It was later confirmed that these same coyotes intercepted Mitchell on the access road six minutes later, while Mike and Gail heard what they thought could either be animal howlings or a young woman screaming in the distance. The American middle-aged couple reported these commotions in a telegraph box at the car park. At first, Eric Muntz, the park's research conservation supervisor, and Michael O'Brien, the Nova Scotia Department of Natural Resources Wildlife Resource Manager, mistook the reports of an animal attack suspect for a black bear. They soon, however, realized it was a group of coyotes. Four more hikers arrived in the car park after hearing suspected screams in the distance. They began to find Mitchell's personal stuff, including her keys and a tiny knife, after just a few minutes of walking up the access road. The small knife was believed to have been used by her in an attempt to defend herself as she was forced back up the access road onto the Skyline Trail. As the hikers approached the trail start, they noticed the shredded bits of bloodied clothing and a considerable amount of blood on the floor. The entrance to a washroom in a clearing was also covered in blood. Mitchell was discovered nearby in the woods at 3.25pm, with a coyote standing right over her. 
The coyote moved away from her when three young men charged at it repeatedly. Mitchell was conscious and able to communicate with her rescuers. Until a Royal Canadian Mounted Police officer fired a shotgun at it, the coyote remained close by, growling and unfazed by human interaction. Mitchell was bitten all over her body, with her leg and head receiving the most serious wounds. She was evacuated to Queen Elizabeth II Health Science Centre in critical condition after being taken to Sacred Heart Community Health Centre in Chittacamp by paramedics. She died of blood loss in the hospital. She was laid to rest at Greenwood Cemetery in Owen Sound, Ontario. It's extremely rare, and in this case, it was fatal. A Toronto folk singer is dead after she was attacked by a pair of coyotes. The CTV's John Musselman reports she was hiking in the Maritimes when it happened. Her stage name was Taylor Mitchell, a 19-year-old Toronto resident who friends and former teachers say was passionate about singing and songwriting. You know, she had a, an ability to... Uh, to sing from the heart in a way that kind of transcended how old she was and, and her life experience. Mitchell's promising career was cut short yesterday when she was mauled by coyotes while hiking in Cape Breton Highlands National Park. She died this morning in a Halifax hospital. Wildlife specialists speculated that Mitchell may have made contact by attempting to feed the coyotes or by disturbing a den that had babies. The coyotes may have been larger and bolder than normal coyotes because they were crosses with wolves or domestic dogs, rabid, famished, or protecting cadaver, among other theories. None of these theories, however, were later proven true, prompting a rethinking of the possible risk of coyote assaults on people. Mitchell may have inadvertently prompted predatory behaviour by fleeing. However, a coyote may have been behind her when she was challenged by the oncoming ones, according to experts. Warden scoured the area where five or six coyotes were reported to live for the animal attack for the attacking animal, as is customary practice when an animal remains at large after killing a human. Mitchell's mother published a statement indicating that her daughter would not want the coyotes to be exterminated as a result of her death. She said, We take a calculated risk when spending time in nature's fold. It's the wildlife's terrain, she wrote. When the decision had been made to kill the pack of coyotes, clearly, I clearly heard, when the decision had been made to kill the pack of coyotes, I clearly heard Taylor's voice say, please don't, this is their space. She wouldn't have wanted their demise, especially as a result of her own. Nevertheless, a female coyote that was acting aggressively was killed by a warden, keeping watch at the wash house location hours after the incident, while the trail was closed to the public. Three more were caught in leg hole traps and killed within one kilometre of the Skyline Trail before a large male weighing 42 pounds, or 19 kilograms, was dispatched five kilometres away on November 14th. According to forensic evidence and Mitchell's blood on their coats, three of the carcasses, including the first and last accounted for, were linked to the attack on Mitchell. The large male coyote found standing over Mitchell was the same as the dominant lead coyote photographed on the access road. Coat markings in the photographs identified its carcass, which also contained pellets from the shotgun of the Royal Canadian Mounted Police constable who fired while on the scene. The dead coyotes that were not linked to the attack could have been the assailant's packmates. Both the large male and female coyotes were connected to the other attack-implicated coyote, thus they could have been a mating couple. 
Half a month later, a coyote stealthed up behind a couple walking in the park in mid-November 2009, approaching so close that the man whacked it on the head with his walking stick. Coyotes have the ability to reproduce swiftly, so a mass cull would likely have had little effect, or the opposite of the desired effect according to park conservation officials and experts. This logic argues that animals removed from the local gene pool by a cull will have had the same fear of humans as coyotes who escaped being caught or killed. The province of Nova Scotia issued a $20 bounty on coyotes in April 2010, but it did not extend to the park. Visitors who sighted coyotes were requested to report it to officials. A 16-year-old girl who went camping with her parents at Broad Cove in Ingonish was attacked twice on the head by a coyote 11 months after Mitchell's death. Coyotes were frequently in close contact with humans according to research studies. Individual coyotes that have not been conditioned to shun humans using non-lethal aversion tactics are usually killed. Mitchell's mother founded the Taylor Mitchell Legacy Trust as a memorial, which is affiliated with the David Suzuki Foundation. The trust encourages community outreach for music slash creative expression, as well as an education about habitat preservation, human-wildlife interaction in both natural and urban settings, and safety precautions. Taylor Mitchell is one of only two confirmed deaths by a coyote attack. She remains the only adult and only Canadian fatality, the other death was that of Kelly Keane, a three-year-old girl from California. Kelly Keane, aged three years old when she died, was left alone on August 26, 1981, while her mother Kathy conducted routine, regular chores. Kelly was watching educational television programs in the family's living room in Glendale, California's Chevy Chase Canyon neighborhood, when she let herself out the front door and stepped onto the driveway, where she was confronted by an urban coyote. Her father, Robert, quickly came running, chasing the coyote off and rushed Kelly to the Greendale Adventist Medical Center, where she was in surgery for four hours before she died. The cause of death was determined to be a broken neck and blood loss as a result of the coyote attack. She is buried at Forest Lawn Memorial Park in Glendale. And that was the Taylor Mitchell coyote attack. Um, yeah, really, <laughs> really sad story. I listened to, um, For Your Consideration, which is Taylor Mitchell's, uh, album. It's all on YouTube. Um, you can listen to it now if you like. Um, all the comments are turned off, I imagine, because all anyone would be talking about was the coyote attack. But if you take that out of it, she was quite a talented singer-songwriter. Um, I'm really into the folk music. It, I know, like, uh, she reminds me of my friend Jemima. Her, the way her music sounds. Um, she had a beautiful voice. I would I would really recommend listening to it if you're into that kind of music. Even if you're not, there's something about... like the, <sighs> These animal attacks that we cover can sometimes feel so removed from reality. Um, like, they're just stories. They're just made-up stories. But they're not. They happen to real people. And hearing the voice and the music of someone who passed away in one of these stories, uh, it kind of changed the way I view this episode. Um, yeah, deeply sad, uh, but also fascinating. The only adult that was ever killed by coyotes in history. Um, as far as we know, it hasn't happened since. Uh, I guess recorded history. Who knows what happened to cavemen and women. Um, yeah, and of course, Kelly Keene, the three-year-old girl, was also killed uh, about 40 years ago. Um, Yep, coyotes are, you know, I thought coyotes weren't that scary. I always thought they were like, uh, I don't know, like cats almost. Like you just 
kick him and they run away. Like, I, I didn't think that they were aggressive anyway, but I guess not. They're, it could have been for any reason. She could have disturbed a den. She could have, I don't know, provoked them in some way. But regardless of what she did, um, it was obviously not intended. And uh, yeah, she she paid for that mistake with her life, very sadly. Um, yeah. We're going to move on now to my newest segment, the scratch of the day. Still no interstitial, but we're working on it. Um, our first story is a dog attack. Again, we get a lot of dog attacks. Uh, this one happening in the Northern Territory of Australia. So the headline is animal attack driver, which if you don't know that driver's a town, that's confusing. You might think, oh, an animal attacked a driver. Um, here's what the story says. Northern Territory Police are investigating the circumstances of a dog attack in Driver on the weekend. The police were called to a residence shortly after 2am on Sunday following reports that a woman had been mauled by a dog. On attendance, police located a 60-year-old woman with significant injuries and began first aid until paramedics arrived. An aggressive dog was secured inside the property and surrendered by its owner to council rangers who attended shortly after. Rangers also seized a second dog on the property that also shined, showed signs of aggression. Commander Sashin Sharma said, This is a terrible incident and a woman has suffered life-altering injuries. At this stage, we have not charged anybody, but we implore all dog owners to make sure their animals are properly trained, controlled, and restrained. Yeah, we, we get dog stories a lot. Last week, there was a woman who was mauled by pit bulls who lost both her arms and woke up from a coma and was so upset that she... Uh, yeah, she wanted to be put back into... Oh, my phone went off. Back into a coma. Um, yeah, dog attacks are probably the most common form of animal attacks in the Western world, um, if not the world in general. I know that in India, um, when we looked at the, uh, the monkey episode, uh, monkey bites were the most common form of animal bites apart from dogs. Um, so yeah, dogs obviously pretty, pretty, uh, <laughs> pretty brutal, that story. Um, no more details about the injuries from that woman, although the officer said they were life-changing injuries, so that's not good. Um, all right, moving on. Uh, another story. Uh, this is a story about a dolphin. The insider reports, dolphin attacks trainer and drags her underwater during show at controversial Miami Sea Aquarium video shows. Uh, here we go. Where's my glasses? An audience member captured on camera the moment a dolphin turned violent and attacked a trainer last weekend at Miami Seaquarium. Video footage of the incident shared on TikTok shows the trainer struggling to stay afloat as the dolphin, named Sundance, drags her beneath the water. Sundance, who has lived in captivity at Miami Seaquarium for his entire life, can then be seen ramming the trainer towards the pool's edge. The trainer was taken by ambulance to a local hospital, according to Local10.com. Miami-Dade's safety authorities were contacted as a precaution, the media outlet said, but the trainer did not appear to suffer any serious injuries. Photographer Shannon, Sharon, no, Shannon, Shannon Carpenter from Kentucky, who filmed the episode, was visiting the show with her family when the dolphin appeared to become aggressive. She says, The kids were cheering and thinking this was neat. You could tell the adults knew something that was wrong, she said, as per the New York Post. Miami Seaquarium did not respond to insiders' request for comment, but according to a statement provided by CBS News, an investigation concluded the trainer had accidentally scratched the dolphin. 
A dolphin and trainer, this is a quote, a dolphin and trainer accidentally collided in the water on Saturday while performing a routine behavior as part of the flipper show. This was an uncomfortable interaction for both of them and the dolphin reacted by breaking away from the routine and striking at the trainer, the statement says. The dolphin was also not injured, per CBS News. Jenna Wallace, a veterinarian who formerly worked at Miami Seaquarium, told Local10.com that she believes this was not an isolated incident. I may have been told by previous veterinarians and staff that this animal has, been ram has rammed another trainer in the abdomen, Wallace told the media outlet. When dolphins become aggressive like this, there's always some underlying thing, she continued. Animal rights organization PETA denounced the exploitation of dolphins at Miami Seaquarium in a statement published on Tuesday. Time is up for the Miami Seaquarium, where long-suffering dolphins desperately need protection and workers are at risk, said the organization's general counsel for animal law, Jared Goodman. PETA urges this amusement park to end its exploitation of dolphins by getting them to sanctuaries as quickly as possible so that they never be used in tawdry shows again and no one else would get hurt, the statement continued. Miami Seaquarium was, was cited for numerous animal welfare violations in a 17-page report by the United States Department of Agriculture last June. The report mentioned the feeding of rotten... Oh, God. The report... Jeez, this is sad. The report mentions the feeding of rotten fish to animals, dolphins dying, pools being in disrepair and inadequate care for the animals. The Miami Seaquarium is also home to the orca Lolita, who has been performing for audiences for 52 years. She's become a focus of a campaign to release her from her orca tank, the world's smallest in the oh, the world's from her orca tank, the world's smallest, into a sea sanctuary in her native Pacific, uh, Northeast Pacific, reported Neuronews. Okay, so lots to unpack there. If you listen to one of our first episodes, which was about Tilikum, the killer whale, um you would not be surprised to hear any of that. That sounds very uh, typical. Um, yeah, <sighs> that's really sad. Uh, obviously, thoughts and well wishes go to, to go to the trainer who was, well, it says the trainer wasn't injured, but I don't know how much I believe that. Um, at the very least, that's psychologically traumatizing. Um, Tilikum killed four people. Uh, sorry, Tilikum killed three people out of four that have, ever been killed by um by killer whales i don't actually know off the top of my head how many if any people have been killed by dolphins um but dolphins and orca are very closely related and i imagine that a lot of their behaviors are similar um Tilikum did a similar thing she would ram she rammed the oh sorry he sorry he rammed um dawn brankout Bra uh, brankout i'm forgetting how to pronounce all these names um and then dragged her to the pool, the bottom of the pool as well, which is kind of what this dolphin did. Um, I haven't heard of Lolita before, um, but that sounds like that would be a good thing for her to be released into a sea sanctuary. Um, yeah, it's interesting. I, I like this detail. The uh, the campaign is to release her into a sea sanctuary in her native northeast Pacific. I don't know if you remember this. This is a little fact I learned that um, dolph uh, orca have languages. Um, if you pluck a orca that's from Iceland and put them in 
New Zealand, in the waters of New Zealand, they're going to be unable to communicate properly with this orca there because they're going to be using a different um, language, essentially. So there you go. That was the Scratch of the Day. Uh, and that will conclude the Scratch of the Day and that will conclude our episode. Thank you so much for listening. Before we finish up, I just want to give a shout out to uh, a pal of the podcast, friend of the show um, named Tristan, who, uh, who sent a lovely email. Uh, basically, yeah really nice words and also recommended a couple stories uh, that we should look into for future episodes uh, the lions of Ninjombe and also uh, Two-Toed Tom I have actually never heard of either of those the lions sound familiar but um, there Two-Toed Tom this is what he says uh, Two-Toed Tom, who killed locals and livestock in Alabama, and like Gustav, has never been caught, despite a farmer using 15 buckets filled with dynamite, killing everything in a pond. He thought uh, Tom was in, but not killing Tom. That sounds like an episode of Looney Tunes, or Tom and Jerry. Oh, man. Do you reckon Tom... <laughs> I actually know what Two-Toed is. I'm just realizing that. I'm assuming that Two-Toed Tom is a, is a gator from Alabama. I'm just... Oh, stop. I'm getting messages. I'm blowing up. Hold on. Yeah, I imagine that Two-Toed Tom is, a, is some sort of alligator or caiman um, from Alabama uh, and not like a cougar, which was like my first thought because I thought Tom and Jerry. So yeah, thank you for that uh, message, Tristan. Uh, you're an honorary official um, pal of the podcast. I appreciate that. Uh, if you also want to send a, a message or a suggestion or anything, you can send it to, a, uh, to maneaterspodcast at gmail.com um, or go to our Instagram uh, at Man Eaters Podcast or our Facebook page, Man Eaters Podcast, I think as well. You can find it. There's no other podcast called Man Eaters, so you, you'll get there for sure. Um, yeah, thank you for joining me. Um, obviously, a sadder episode. We always find that these episodes are sadder when they're more recent. Um, but yeah, Taylor Mitchell's uh, death at the, well, not the hands, but the paws of a coyote. Very, very sad. And the scratch of the days, um, neither of them were funny. Where's the fox biting congressman on the leg that you, when you need it, honestly? Uh, thank you for joining me. Uh, I hope you have a great, safe week. Like I mentioned at the beginning, we're like so close to cracking 3,000 uh, streams. I would love to make that happen. So if you haven't already, listen to another episode. Go listen to another episode again. Um, if you haven't given me a, a good rating on uh, Instagram, oh, not Instagram, sorry, on uh, Spotify or Apple Music or uh, or Google Podcasts, go do that. Uh it's like takes five seconds for you but it means so much to me i really really do appreciate that um have a fantastic time stay safe everybody because as we know it's a jungle out there It's James again. Really quickly, just want to let you know about a show I'm in that is coming up. I know most of the viewers are from America, but for those Australians listening, specifically those in New South Wales, specifically those in Sydney in The Hunter, uh, Puffs, which is a Harry Potter parody uh, play, uh, is opening at the Civic Playhouse on May 6th. I'm in it. A lot of my friends are in it, some very talented people. Uh, It's an incredible cast, honestly. You're going to love it. We all play like 40 different characters. It's great. It's funny. If you love Harry Potter, you'll love it. If you don't love Harry Potter, you'll love it. If you've never heard of Harry Potter, you'll probably miss a lot of the jokes, but you'll still love it. Um, Tickets are available at theverypopulartheatreco.com.au or at thecivictheatre.com.au's website. Um, You'll figure it out. It's called Puffs uh, by The Very Popular Theatre Company. 
please go see it. It's great. Very good stuff. Also, uh, if you have young people around Newcastle, little kidrins, go and see Kid Frankenstein, produced by Hunter Drama at the Civic Playhouse, which opens on Thursday, which is in two days from the time of recording, which I think is one day from the time of release. So yes, jump on that if you can. If you've got little kids, go see Kid Frankenstein. If you've got big kids, go see Puffs. And if you've got no kids, um, go... <laughs> Have a great time. Have a great fucking life. It's going to be awesome. Uh, that is that, guys. Bye. Thank you. Arrivederci. Ciao. Goodbye. Farewell. See ya.